Today, we're going to talk about why every songwriter should learn how to produce their own music with the brains behind Produce Like a Boss, Chris Bradley. All right, Johnny, do your thing. Welcome to the climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. That's what you're going to need to get ahead now. They're not going to... Find the diamond in the rough and spend a million dollars to turn you into a household brand name. You're going to have to come to the table with results, with business, with transactions, with proof that you're a writer, that you're an artist, that you're a singer, and that people like it, okay? Mm-hmm. And that people are consuming it. That's why we called it the climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. That's a Baxter name from my genius co-host and good friend, who's also a a hit songwriter named Brent Baxter. He's got cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more, including a couple number ones last year, which we're proud to say. Was that Southern Gospel? I think yep. he was in. Mm-hmm. And what I love about Brent is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro. And then on the regular, he's going to give you opportunities to get in front of the pros so that you can create relationships. And not for nothing, you're going to need a demo to do that which is what we're going to dig into today on how to produce that. So you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. It's complicated, but thankfully, Johnny's smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other thing. Johnny D. (laughs) How you doing, brother? You all right? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, we don't do a lot of interviews. And so this is a rarity, which is nice because I don't have to hear your voice as much. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. I love you, bro. <laughs> so no, this is good because you no, know this not. is. Not kidding. Um, no, I'm totally. Kidding. <laughs> this is a little out of my wheelhouse, even though it's a songwriter episode, which you know is my focus. But it's about production for songwriters, which is way out of my wheelhouse. Uh, about as much as the whole you know blockchain conversation we had last week is out of my wheelhouse. That was awesome. I'm I'm drowning two episodes in a row, uh, but it's, it's for the peoples. It's for for the climbers out there. Well, listen, this, this speaks directly to artists and songwriters taking responsibility for themselves and and how to get, you know, more knowledge and apply that knowledge to further their cause and make money doing what they love to do, make a living, you know, nothing wrong with making a living. We are business owners, whether we acknowledge it or not. That's right. God knows that's true. All right. So uh, listen, before we get into it here, let's take care of a little business. We are grateful as always to be a part, one of the flagship shows, not only a part, but one of the flagship shows on American Songwriter Magazine's podcast network. So shout out to those guys. If you have been a climber for, we just had our fifth year anniversary if you've been a climber for that long and you've followed us to the podcast network there's a bunch of other shows on there all focused around music music production that you can glean a bunch of knowledge off of so we recommend and and encourage you to go check out those shows and if you are on the american songwriter podcast network and you found us there welcome to the climb we're happy to have you um we want you to join the climb community on facebook you have to ask to be let in but we let everybody in 
And as long as you mind the very few rules that we have, you won't be roadhoused out. Mm -hmm. And this is a place where, first of all, we got lots of songwriters getting together doing co-writes, international co-writes that are fruitful, already making money, getting syncs, making miracles happen. We love that. And this is a community of people where they're sharing promo ideas and marketing ideas, asking questions about this or that and getting answers. Um, I, I can't say this enough. I love it when I go into our climb community, Brent, and somebody asks a question. And by the time I get there, there's already nine answers. And my answer just has to be like the up finger emoji, right. like what they said. Right, right. That's, good. <laughs> That's exactly how I would do it. And, and I'll add to it if I need to. But so good community, people supporting other people. We got some wins that we want That's to talk right. about, Brent. My favorite part of the climb community is every Wednesday we post a new heights post and then we encourage all the climbers in the community to post their win as a comment underneath that that bigger post. So we all know where to find it. We all know where the party is. We all know where to go celebrate and high five each other. So each week we have people sharing their wins, big or small. We love them all. I want to just share a couple of these. Uh, Climber Tom Grimes, buddy of mine. So he says an hour of his music. Well, it's a half hour, but the show will repeat later. So <laughs> something like that. So it looks like two half hour episodes on radio station sharing his music. Looks like MixLR.com, One World Music oh, cool. on MixLR. So uh, congrats, Tom, on getting some uh, radio play. That's awesome. And also Climber Will and Darlene Gunnell, or Gunnell. Uh, he's becoming a regular on these wins of the week here, which is pretty cool. Cause I know a couple episodes now he, he was mentioned again on that. So uh, he's stacking up the wins, but uh, will got a trop rock song called liquid. Fine. Making miracles happen, baby. That's right. He just, uh, I think a couple episodes ago, he's like, got my first BMI check. Right. So and this time he has a trop rock song called liquid fun, yes. getting some airplay on three stations that he knows of pretty cool. And he provides a link to the song where you can hear it. So, Congrats, Will and Tom. I'm both getting some spins. Spinning is winning, baby. Love it. I love that. So subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume podcasts. Leave a rating and review, please, so that people you know, get the idea that we're legit. And most importantly, Brent and I just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We're very grateful that you spend the time that you do spend with us every single week. We don't take that lightly, but... We also want to point out you do that for a reason. It's not because you just love Brett and I and we're fun to hang with. It's because we're given some kind of value on every one of these episodes. And if we can help other people, that's why we're doing this. So help us help you help them. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Did that work? Okay. Something so like that. I was busy thinking of the analogy of like I had to tie a pork chop around my neck so the dog would play with me. Yeah. So like I'm the kid, but hopefully the value we're giving you is the pork chop. So while you're here, that's cool. That's right. I'm cool with that. Bottom line is this, if you tell them about it, if we tell them, if we tell them we're great, it's 50% true. If you tell them we're great and you got some value out of these shows and that's a hundred percent true. So tell a friend about it, help a fellow musician, a songwriter, an artist kind of a thing. So without further ado, let's introduce our esteemed colleague and guest on the Climb Podcast show to Miss Chris Bradley. Chris, the CEO and founder of Boombox Productions and produce like a boss. Chris Bradley is a songwriter with credits including Sony BMG, Warner Chapel, Rolling Stone Magazine, Fox, Lincoln, and Miramax. She heads Boombox Productions, producing for various sync projects, artists, and songwriters. She's also, and this is what we're going to talk about today, she's also the founder of Produce Like a Boss, which is an online coaching program geared towards the songwriter-producer rather than the engineer. Her non-techie and very simplified style of teaching is helping artists all over the world 
learn how to produce their own music. So you got that competitive demo. That's what we need to do. Miss mm-hmm. Chris Bradley, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Right on. And I got to tell you, you're, uh, Chris, for those of you who can't see the video, which is like everybody, uh, Chris's background and setup is way more professional than either mine or Johnny's. So yeah, she's already <laughs> way, So already looking now you very self-conscious. I have to do this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Let me turn the camera, get the best angle here. It's much more high tech than us. We just recently got into shooting some of this video stuff, so we we haven't gotten that part of it worked out yet. That's but, right. So, Chris, so. thanks for being here, and and I'm curious because I'm a songwriter, I'm a lyricist, uh, and and I sing like one. And so I have been <laughs> outsourcing. I tell people to sing like a horse or sound like George Strait, uh, choking on a chicken nugget, <laughs> but. Uh, so I'm not a singer. I'm not a musician. I piddle around on a few different things. So I've always outsourced all of my demo work, work tapes even. I, I mean, I'm at, the, I'm at the mercy of my co-writers for good or bad. But I figured out early on, hey, if I'm great at one thing, then maybe I'll have a seat at the table. So I just dove it all in on lyrics. And so this is a little out of my wheelhouse, but it's something I also believe in that if you can produce your own stuff, it can give you an edge. I think with the uh, especially in Nashville, the last several years, the whole rise of the quote unquote track guy or track girl has kind of borne mm-hmm. that out. That it's like, why is it because it's technically better than everybody else's or better than going in XYZ studio and having these world class players play on it? You're not going to outplay, outpick Brent Mason or, you know, some of these folks. Like, why are they getting all these cuts? And I think it's because it has its own kind of vibe. It kind of stood out. It zigged where everybody else was zagging. And there's an ebb and flow to that. But so Mm -hmm. I find it interesting. And I know the value I get from writing with people that are able to produce their own demos. Uh, But I'm just curious to to dive into that. And I'm also, I see you have an acronym on some of your stuff. And uh, I have a thing around here known as Baxternyms. I'm a fan of the acronym. (laughs) Baxternyms? Oh, yeah. You've got a lot of them. (laughs) Yes, that's... We have a lot of them around here, but hey, thanks for being with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat about this. Yeah. So why should every songwriter learn how to produce? There's a why and there's a how. So you address both those. I'm curious to start with the why. Well, why should I, we learn to produce why... our own stuff? Because really, I just want to sit in a room and write the songs on on my guitar or laptop or whatever. I did not move to Nashville to do all this other stuff, right? I just My sweet spot is in the room making blank pages fill up and that makes my heart happy. And then, oh my gosh, there are these digital audio workstations and all this other stuff. I don't want to have to learn. I just want to play in my sandbox. Why should I get out of my sandbox? Yeah. And I think there's definitely value to having people that are in their zones of genius coming together. So it's not to to say that there's not huge value in that, right? It's like, you mm-hmm. know, the same way a publisher is going to put someone who's really great with lyric together with somebody who's really great with melody, right? Mm-hmm. But here's why I think every songwriter should learn how to produce. Whether you want to save money on demos, because as you know, in Nashville, I mean, when I was living there, I was writing two to three songs a day. That adds up. So even if you're not making money by doing it professionally for somebody else, just by not having to pay every time Mm -hmm. you're doing your demo, you're saving money, which is making money, right? right? But then think about how many times have you paid for a demo 
and maybe not you because you're such a badass, but <laughs> for some uh, songwriters, yeah. how many times have they paid for a demo and then just come to find out after the fact that, man, I really wish I had thought that through. That wasn't worth the investment. That song wasn't worth the 500 or 1,000. You know, it, it, it's not that great of a song. And yeah. sometimes just being able to get the work tape into your DAW so that you can get in the car and listen to it with a basic arrangement, even if it's just a drum loop, just for yourself mm-hmm. so that you can exercise quality control before you go into the studio. There's that, right? Yes. Then you've got the opportunity when you are working with producers to not be the guy who's in the room that's like, I don't know, you know, it sounds like this. And then you start using language nobody understands. The producer's confused. Now you're mad because you're not getting the results you want from the producer because you didn't know how to communicate. So if you could just learn the basics of how to capture your ideas, you can communicate better with your producer. Now you're saying things like, ooh, you know what? Why don't we automate the guitars and just bring them up a little bit in the course? And could you fly this part from here over to there? And then let's comp in that section. And like, you know, when we do overdubs, just being able to use that language kind of just steps, it just levels you up, I think, as a team player. It adds more value to you as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And it's more professional. So it's like, I'm a professional producer now, but even, you know, it didn't take much for me to learn how to turn on the microphone, for example, because I'm a singer-songwriter first, mm-hmm. and just say, hey, can I track vocals for you? Oh, like, do you want to hire me to do demo vocals? Well, now I've created another income stream just as mm-hmm. just as a singer You know, and I say Mm -hmm. that to to all my students as well. It's like, what instrument are you already really good at? Because what if you're a killer guitar player? You don't know how to produce. No big deal. Learn how to dial in your rig and get all your sounds and record yourself. And now you can do remote work with anybody all across the world. Mm -hmm. And then there's, of course, things like, you know, sync. Let's talk about that for a second. Before Before you get into sync, let me make a quick point, too. Like, I've had a couple artists I've worked with. Chris Malk. Mm -hmm. I moved him out from L.A. to, to Nashville and... He did that very thing. I mean, there are a number of different like online studios mm-hmm. that exactly. people pay. And he was making, I mean, he was making an extra 750 bucks to a thousand bucks a month mm-hmm. singing vocals. Yeah. Uh, and he, and he was plugged into this platform that was like one of, he was one of their featured singers. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Studio Pros online or something like that. But but yeah, because he's doing what you're talking about, Chris. He had that rig, that mic. He knew how to dial it in, and he mm-hmm. could, and he can sing his butt off. Mm-hmm. That's his golden goose, man. Um, exactly. Uh, he's making money on this side, and I believe he still does it. So yeah, well, yeah. My yeah buddy, I'd love to just yeah, my oh, buddy sorry, Matt Dame uh, from back. I was. I was with. I know Matt both the, of the. I know both of these guys. By the way, okay. I've hired both of them for work. Yeah, <laughs> you have. You, you know Malk. Okay, awesome. I know <laughs> Malk. I know Malk um, through Jen Friend, and then yeah, I, yeah, yes. and she's a great friend of mine. And then I know Matt Dame. I've hired him. Singer. Oh, my oh God. God, what a badass! Talk about a badass yeah. singer. But and I've hired Matt for a bunch of stuff. So yeah, so I was yeah. with Matt the first time he went to a studio because we were both living back in Little Rock, and uh, you know I will make you write songs if I know that you are in music. And so I made him write some songs with me. And so the first time he stepped in the studio was on a couple songs, just laying down, just playing and singing. So first time he stepped in the studio and now, yeah, he's working for folks like you and songwriters all over the world. He's got his rig in his house and with, you know, he can tell you what gear he has and all that stuff. And, you know, he moved to town just to sing, but he's learned that other stuff and he makes a living singing for people without having to leave his house. I mean, he still goes to the studio and stuff, but he's able to a lot of stuff out of the house. Yeah. Go ahead, John. If you're going to be like a professional uh, deforester, you can work for a company that has a chainsaw and make some money. But if you buy your own and learn how to use it, you can probably make some money on the side and some people out with their trees in the front yard or whatever. It's just <laughs> as simple as that. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Learn how to use that. So go ahead, Chris. Right. Like, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I just Oh, was... no. I just got so excited when you were talking about Malk using, um, I think, Studio Professionals or something like that. Um, yeah. I got I got hooked up with a website called Sound Better. Yeah. And this is actually a really cool story because I first put myself out there to start doing demo vocals. And I started getting, you know, a little bit of flow. It, it takes a minute because you got to get reviews. It's like Amazon and eBay. People mm-hmm. want to trust. So I had to build yeah. up. And then one guy, he reached out and he said, can I hire you to top line this to this? And I it kind of threw me off. I'm like, wait, you want to pay me to write a song? Yeah. And then I started getting, and I was like, wait a second. I moved to Nashville to try and get, you know, a, a big pub deal. That was my my ultimate goal at the time. And I was like, wait, so you're gonna pay me three hundred dollars to write a top line and I get to keep half the copyright? Yeah. Hello. And, and I don't have to put my name on it. I can use an AKA if it's not in alignment with my brand, which it yeah. wasn't. So it was like and this it's not whole recoupable? like what you're paying. Right, right. Yeah. You're not recoupable. <laughs> this is mine. I, this is the service I'm delivering. And that, I mean, that just changed the game for me. From that moment out, I completely changed my profile as to what the services were that I offered. And I included songwriting, hook writing, you know, and I, I charge a little bit less for that. And I take less of a fee. Like if a rapper comes to me and says, hey, can you write a hook to my course? I'm not going to ask for 50% of the song. Mm-hmm. You know, so anyways, I started doing that. And next thing you know, I'm booking like three to five jobs a week, all between 200 and $500. I mm-hmm. mean, like I was like, nice. this is amazing. You know, and, <laughs> and, and and I was also going down the rabbit hole of learning how to become a better producer. So while I was building my chops as a producer, which a lot of my students won't go that far, they won't go as far as to say, I want to start a production company and actually be a producer. They just want to do basic demos and stuff, mm-hmm. but some of them will. And I ended up doing that because I went from learning out of necessity Mm-hmm. right? To save money to into obsession. And I'm just like, oh my God, I love this. You know, and now it's like, you know, I think a common myth too is that, oh, I got to learn how to play everything and do everything. It's like, no, that's not what a producer is. A producer is a visionary. So mm-hmm. it's like, I've been playing guitar since I was 15 years old. That does not mean I play guitar on my records. I'm going to pay the guy who lives, breathes, eats, sleeps guitar, who can track from home, right? And, you know, maybe I'll lay down some skeleton drums that I program. And then maybe I even replace those with a drummer. It depends on what the project calls for. So I just want to keep going through the laundry list really quick because I could yammer on about this forever. But, you know, sync, for example, when I wanted to get my music into sync, I started pitching things before I was ready. Uh, you know, like I just send songs. Yeah. Right. And not knowing like what deliverables might be expected of me as a professional, not knowing. So, you know, I'd get a song to someone and they go, Oh, this is great. Could you give me a version of this with the vocals down and like just drums and bass? And I'm like, shoot, (laughs) let me find that. (laughs) Let me find that producer. He's disappeared. Or he's like, man, that song, we did that two years ago. I don't even know what hard drive that's on. And I'm like, okay, I have no control over, I don't even know if I own this master. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, another thing is mm-hmm. just having more of a, an idea about, first of all, you know, whoever pays for the master owns the master. That's right. why labels can own your masters. But as a producer, you kind of got automatic dibs on that, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's another reason I think it's really important. And, you know, and, and not only that, I mean, besides saving money on demos and being able to, oh, other thing was sync, turning things around quickly, right? Yeah. We need th- we need this yesterday. I, li- I did a Lincoln commercial in my living room in Nashville last year for Christmas. We did a Lincoln commercial and I swear to God, every time they had to edit, it was like boom, 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 boom. And we need this in like two hours. And it was like, whoa, if I wasn't able to get in the DAW and maneuver, I don't know how that would have worked because I would have had to schedule studio time, mm-hmm. pay for studio time. And it just would have shaved a lot off of the yeah, my, sync my, my is, income. Sync is all about fast. I used to work at Blue Water Music yeah. and we'd handle some licensing for film TV, that kind of stuff. And I remember we had a something on like Primetime Live or some of those news shows about the Dixie Chicks back in the day mm-hmm. and about Traveling Soldier and they had to get that cleared. And it was like that day <laughs> you're negotiating, you're getting it done. Yeah. And that was just the licensing part of it because the music yeah. was already done, obviously. But that, that stuff moves fast. And if you're slow, you lose. Yeah. 
Exactly. And so just to kind of button up my rant on this, because it's, I just like really am passionate about, like, I think even if you just learn how to turn on the mic so you can, rec- you can record remotely with someone, because let's be real, working from home is no longer a luxury. It's a necessity. Like, mm-hmm. look what happened with the lockdown. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. studios weren't even an option, right? So it's kind of like this kind of bare minimum. It's like kind of expected of most people. This is just a part of your business. You're running a business. If you want to make money with your music, you're an entrepreneur. And I know that you guys talk a lot. I love that you guys really dive into that because I think a lot of musicians are like the only business owners that don't know they're in business and that they have <laughs> yeah. to run an, like an order of operations. And I just think strengthening that. And feel like that. They're, they're more virtuous to say that they're not in business somehow. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that exactly. makes you a better artist. And like, it's like, no, wait no, a second. I'm no. just about the art. I'm like, you know how dumb that sounds, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did you like, get paid a penny for that yet? Yeah, no, you're in business. You're yeah, just denying yeah. it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then just to circle back around to the demo thing, you know, I, I know this this, this can you guys know probably way more but i know in a lot of cases the producer doesn't want to hear your creative interpretation of what the, the production should sound like they want a clean professional vocal up front i can hear the lyric and melody and i should be able to get an idea of what the groove is but you start going a little too far with create uh, creatively you might be stepping on the toes of the producer for that project oh okay wait so, stop right there stop right there okay so I, I gotta i gotta testify no no <laughs> okay you're, I got to testify. I'm like, preach, Sister Chris. Like, so uh, I produced a, a Colin Ray record, and it was a record of all covers, like really obviously big vocal songs because it's freaking Colin Ray, and uh, like love songs from the 70s and the 80s, okay? And at the last minute, one week before we were going to record the record, the management calls us and says, hey, we want to throw two original songs on here too. So can you make that happen? And we're like, yeah, we'll put up, we'll throw up the bat signal. So I put up the bat signal and in three days, so that was like a Monday, the drop, the, the downbeat was the following Monday in the studio. In the next three days, we got 250 submissions for songs. Okay. Now me and my business partner at the time have to go through and listen to those 250 songs. And if you do the math on 250 and we just say it's a ballad, so it's going to be a good solid minute and a half for the first verse and the first chorus to get through. That's like six and a half hours of music. And this was dropped on us at the last minute. So we still have a full work week in the studio and we didn't get to listen to them until Friday. And we had to do that all Friday night to hone it down to 18 to show to Colin so that he could pick the two that he wanted to do so that we could key them. And then we could get the charts made uh-huh. by Monday. Right. So that whole thing's going on. And, and that, what you mentioned was so prevalent in having control over the recording because a couple things that we noticed. Number one was, let's say you're an artist too and a songwriter and that song can be pitched, right? Well, you might have this whole big artistic interpretation of it, but with a simple second mix, mm-hmm. you can pull out the lush and all this stuff and just sort of deliver that really solid because as the producer, I'm going to re-record this with my artist, so I want to have, I just need the vocal, the melody, and the vibe of the song. I don't need the one-minute epic intro, <laughs> right? Right, yeah. and, and times 250, man. <laughs> it was like, oh my god. And then other things too. Some of those songs were, and this happened to be okay because we were doing a retro kind of a record, but. We started noticing right away, like as soon as that vocal comes in, if it's a big reverb, oh, this is done in the 90s because that was the trend mm-hmm. in the 90s. So now I'm immediately going from this pile to this pile 
And it just so happened that for this project, this pile was okay. But if you're trying to do something new, you can date yourself by simply mm-hmm. remixing it and taking out, being able to to keep your your demos alive in the circle, but mm-hmm. and with just some minor changes, you can't do that really unless you effectively unless you produce for yourself. I mean, I have some right? demos I'd love to take the finger snaps off of now. <laughs> right, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So go carry on, Chris. I just had to jump in, like with a real world thing. Like here it is. Like this is, yeah. you, you know, for for a song demo, um, if you're pitching it, you know how they have a movie release, and then there's the director's cut mm-hmm. on the DVD. I don't need the freaking intro, man, unless there's a signature lick and it's eight bars. Yeah. I don't need the one minute epic intro. That's not that. This is killing me. Right. I need mm-hmm. to get right to what it is that you're selling me. And that is your lyric, your melody and the vibe of your song. And Absolutely. so you would have a demo cut and a demo mix and mm-hmm. then a mod mix that's going to go on my CD or, or whatever. It gives you all those choices. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I actually have a really cool little story about my de- some of my first demos that I started doing and pitching in Nashville. And I mean, I was getting such great feedback, man. I was doing the whole pitch to publisher thing and like, you know, mentors and like... It was like, these are great. You are you sound like an artist. Why don't you do your artist thing? And I was like, no, 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 man. I want to pitch these. Like, that was the thing. But I kind of have, like, as a singer, I kind of have a cooked in kind of sound. So mm-hmm. um, I was like, you know what? And I really love the songs, you know? Um, so I was like, I'm just going to put these on a, on a record and I'm going to do a record. And, you know, I almost called it like demo jail because they were my demos. I just <laughs> paid to have them pro- professionally mixed and mastered. Um, I did not end up calling it that. But I, I, I called the whole album worth a shot. It was six songs. All of them were demos except for one. We did one in the studio. And I ended up releasing it and doing a little radio push. And I got mentioned by, what's his name? Oh, he's like a tough nut to crack. In Discovery Magazine, I got the award for like um, New Discovered Artist or something in Music Row Magazine. Oh, like Robert K. Orman? That K. Orman, yeah. yeah. So um, they got that and ended up doing something in the top 80. It was like number 60-something, whatever. No Mm. big deal. What's even more cool about it is that I was able to take this and put this into a record, right? And when I would would go to gigs, because I was doing like four-hour gigs everywhere between Nashville and Clarksville, right? And L.A. I would bring these CDs and I would tell people, I recorded this myself. And I just appreciate your support. I'm not even going to put a price tag on it. I could have easily said $5 or even $10. Mm. I just said, I just love your donations. There's six songs, you know, give me what you want. I can't tell you how many people give me $20 for a CD. And you yeah. know, right? Major artists are charging a dollar per song or $1.50 per song. And here I am getting $20 from real fans, which ended up being, it's okay that I only have 50 people at this show because mm-hmm. each person gave me 20 bucks. Right. And I, I brought them to the Bluebird and it was the same thing. Because Bluebird, when I played the Bluebird, those are music fans. And they were like, oh my gosh, can you sign this? Like I had people give me 40 bucks for one CD. So it's like, I wouldn't have had that if I couldn't have made it. And at that moment, it wasn't important that it was done by professional musicians that had played on other big records. They didn't care about that. What the fans care about is connecting with you and the fact that you made that for them. I mean, I think there's something really special to be said about that. Ooh, and that brings me back to one more thing. One more thing that I think why every artist should learn how to produce. Before you start putting music out there, if you're running a business, you could do market research, right? Mm -hmm. Market research means putting music out there actually before it's ready. So what if you had a Kickstarter or a Patreon page or something where you're asking people to support you through the journey and fund your record? How cool would it be if you're like, well, here, guys, here's what I was able to do on my own. What do you think of this? And now you're putting out demos, soft release, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, something you can take off, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're ready to go to the big studio. But it goes back to that whole quality control thing. See how your fans react if they're like, oh, my God, I love this perfect now you got the demo version and that's what you take into the studio market yeah. research 
I love that. And from the writer side too, you know, I talk to publishers and, and a lot of what they're getting turned into them these days are to tracks, meaning that it, it yeah. sounds more like a full demo or some sort of, it's not just the work tape it used to be. Yeah. I mean, when I started off, it was like laying down work tapes in Arkansas on cassette tapes. Yeah. And then you go, you know, you're recording on your Mac or whatever, and you're, and you're emailing them to your crew, the publishing company or whatever. And it's like, here's what we did today. It's in the room live. Here's the fifth take, you know, of the work tape. Yeah. Uh, but so much people are getting tracks and stuff turned in, like stuff that they could run out the door and pitch. And if you're wanting to mm-hmm. get, if you're in a publishing deal, you're still, one thing I realized after I signed with Major Bob is that okay, if I want to get pitches out of here, I'm still competing with Neil Thrasher, who's like the big dog there. I'm competing with Casey Kessel and Robin Welty mm-hmm. and everyone we had on staff there, Lane Turner. And I'm still competing with them just to get pitches out the door if I want to get a cut. The competition doesn't end. And if you're mm-hmm. wanting to get an attention of a, of a publisher, then, I mean, that's what else they're listening to is stuff that sounds good. And so it's like, crap, Yeah, this may not cut it. This may not, because you're still competing oh, you know, even in-house. To get attention. Yeah, John? Right. That brings up another point with that same Colin Ray experience that I had was think about how they're going to be listening in a pitch party. Okay. Mm-hmm. How they're going to be listening. How are they going to consume your demo? Right. So I remember having, okay, here's a pro demo. And then here's a crappy sounding demo that wasn't done well. And then here's another pro demo. So you're sandwiched in between two pro song demos. And you just sound, it sounds bad, okay? Well, you're supposed to be able to hear through the song or whatever. Man, you know what? They don't have to. two o'clock in the freaking morning. I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. And I've got to get this done because this is just what happened. And so uh, whether we like it or not, I'm human and I judge it, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing it says about you too is you really don't think that much about yourself that you're willing to invest some time to do it correctly, Mm-hmm. And and uh, the other aspect of that is just, I don't know if it's because I was an artist first or if it's just my personality, but that whole process of making music, not just writing it, but making records and demos is absolutely fascinating to me. It never gets old. And so yes. learning how to do, I mean, I would hire my ex-business partner, Kelly, uh, I would fly him out to LA when I lived out there. And I would pay him the, he would give me the bro rate on the engineering. Cause I, I knew how to press record, man. I knew how to play and I knew how to uh, like uh, arrangement wise, I knew how to put to make the donuts, but I didn't know how to mix. That's a whole nother thing uh, mm-hmm. when you're talking about a full production. And so I would fly him out to mix this stuff for me with the one caveat. Like I got to be up as keister. Hey, would you do that? Why, why'd you do that? What did that do? How come you're doing that? Like I was an asshole for a whole weekend <laughs> and each project. And that was the deal. It was in the contract, but I wanted to learn. So like to your point, Chris, I could speak intelligently about it, but why wouldn't you just want to do this yourself and just create freely and know that after you dream up this beautiful song that you make, that I can go make this happen, manifest this in a physical form or mm-hmm. a digital form right, right now, if I want to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it, it takes a lot less, both gear, software, hardware, and knowledge 
let's, I mean, I hate to say this. I know a lot of purists are going to shriek, but like to make great sounding records these days, you know, you got award winning mix engineers that create presets for a reason and they work. You know, you've got sound selection that these were, these instruments are recorded beautifully. So your ability to mix isn't as important as it used to be, because if you're using the right sampled instruments and the right virtual instruments and sounds, you can make a killer demo. I mean, you can make a killer production. I have stuff that I've made completely in the box where I didn't outsource one thing and I got it placed. Mm -hmm. So it just requires, and that's part of what I teach is like helping people. I think what overwhelms songwriters in trying to learn this is that they're like, I need to learn everything that the DAW does. And it's like, nah, that's like saying I need to learn how to take apart the car and the engine to drive it. It's like, you don't, you know, you can use some things that will help to cheat and kind of get you through and, and you use your ears and stuff, right? These, yeah, it, use used your to ears. Co- <laughs> it used to cost tens of thousands of dollars to put together a nice enough studio, if not more, hundreds of thousands, right? Mm. And now you can really put together a nice home studio and a rig for under a thousand bucks. And you got a program like Logic that is so easy to use. It's so, I mean, I wouldn't use Pro Tools as somebody just getting started. I use both Logic and Pro Tools, but Logic, for example, is just so user-friendly. It's geared towards the songwriter. You literally plug in and play and you can stack all your instruments. And as long as you're making the right moves and choices and you have a really good high quality, like even if it's minimal, right? Like it's a vocal, piano, and a drum loop, that can be a really bad demo if it's not done well. Mm -hmm. And it can be a really perfect demo if it's done right and tastefully yeah right yeah 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 so I, I tell folks that a good guitar vocal beats a bad demo any day exactly exactly yeah and that's i mean that's so painfully true on the listening part of it when you got to make a choice for a project or something because it is about the vibe the lyric the melody that's what you're selling in the demo not the recording yeah. you're going to re-record it yeah so how are you going to clearly put that across i had another point and i forgot it because i'm so excited about this conversation <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know that, I mean, some pain points for me as a writer that to this point has not thought of himself as a producer. I mean, I still don't or or produced. Okay, I'm lyrics. This is my lane is, yeah, being in the studio was terrifying, like on a demo session, because I mean, you've, you've been in them, you know that we're in a bus through like five tracking five songs in the next three hours. We got like 30, 45 minutes a song and we're blowing and going. Okay, what next up? What do you think? And not having some of that language. For one thing, not being confident mm-hmm. in making choices, because one thing I just need to get better at is thinking production. And I do more like arrangement now, going, oh, we can start off with this part of the song because that's really hooky. And so I'm growing in that. But mm-hmm. it would be scary talking to musicians. I mean, they're all great and, they, you know, they're whatever. They're having a blast. And so it's not like they're mean or anything, but just going, I don't know how to speak musician. And then as we learn, you know, you learn some of the terminology like, okay, we'll fly this course over here and we'll comp. And, you know, you just learn by being in the studio enough. But uh, just even some of the musical terms, is that something you go into with your courses? Like just to help me communicate what I'm thinking and what I those do, things and- mean? And I love that you said that because I think that's just a really common for songwriters and artists is to just feel like, oh, that's above my pay grade. I don't know. And they just kind of shut down. But like, you know more than you think you do. Yeah. And I found that when I was working with artists in my home studio and just recording them or when I hired singers to come over and they would go, oh, and then we should do this. And they started spouting like arrangement ideas or like, you know, just instrument. Oh, and then do a and then a, you know, and <laughs> like, you know, you're producing right now. Like you're literally <laughs> producing. Like, let me yeah. just give you some tools, because if you could just get out what you're hearing in your your head and trust it, you already know. It's like, we're already listening to these songs. We are an accumulation of what we are absorbing every day, right? Like that's how we, our output is our input, right? Mm -hmm. So 
I think it's just, it starts with trusting yourself as well. But also in my course, we do something called producer's lingo, right? Mm -hmm. Where I just give you a little bit of vocab you can work with that will help to build your confidence on it. But I think everybody knows more than they think they do. Yeah. 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 Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, climbers, welcome to some help. That's right. We want to turn you on to a professional service by our sponsor, BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com. Listen, as singers, songwriters, and artists, our greatest strength is sometimes our greatest weakness, and that is our emotional intensity. Listen, it helps you create great art, but it can also torpedo not just your career, but your life. And we don't want the bad stuff. We just want the great art. We want your emotions to be a source of help, not hurt. And that brings us to BetterHelp.com. Sorry, guys, it's not a crisis line. This is not a self-help line. This is a professional counseling service that's done securely online. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. And as an artist and as somebody who deals with artists, the licensed professional counselors that they have, the stuff they specialize in, I'm going to read you just a quick little list. I've had to deal with all these at one point or another, either myself or with other artists. So this is real stuff. Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trouble sleeping. A lot of us have had traumas, anger, family conflicts. If LGBTQ matters, grief from loss is something, a loved one maybe. And and just about every artist I know, I don't, I don't think I know one that doesn't secretly have a little self-esteem issue going on. So here's somebody you can talk to. That's right. And you can start communicating with them in under 48 hours. So you don't have to wait long to start talking to somebody. Also, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available, which is great. I'm always happy to see that. And the service is available for clients worldwide, meaning you don't have to just find somebody local who understands you, but that you might run into at the grocery store. You can find counselors worldwide. So it doesn't matter where you are. 
That's right, guys. If you want to dig down a little deeper on this, there's a ton of testimonials that you can research that are on their website at betterhelp.com. And this podcast is just because we want you to win. We don't want this stuff to get in the way of your artist career. So if this can help, then we want to help you help yourself. So as a climber, you get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor, betterhelp.com slash songwriter. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash songwriter. Uh, I remember when we started working with Lonely Highway, it was this vocal group that we worked with, right? Three brothers that just sing unbelievably well together. And they think like the other person thinks, right? Somebody will change the arrangement on a three-part harmony and they all know that he's going to do it before he does it when it's a one-off kind of a thing. It's really weird, but they're, they're amazing. And they're used to hearing themselves sing together. And I remember when we first brought them into the studio, we were doubling up the vocals, right? And they were like, it sounded different. They weren't digging it in the beginning. And so they were like, wait, you know, I don't know about the double vocal thing and the choruses. And I'm like, that's what we need to be doing, guys. And they, number one, I had to applaud them because they really were very articulate on what they were hearing and what they liked and what they didn't like. And I just, I sent the, um, I sent the oldest brother home. I said, go spend a weekend and listen to all your favorite tracks and come back and tell me which ones have just a single vocal. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I got a text from him like three hours later. He's like, I've been driving around with my wife for three hours listening to songs and um, I haven't found one. Like I, so he's learning about production, but th- mm-hmm. it was yeah. the difference between writing a song and performing a song and then knowing how to make a record. Yeah, totally. I have actually had a similar thing with a, a girl group I was working with. That there was all three of them. And it was like trying to get them to sing separately was totally not the same vibe as, as having them sing together, you know, and having yeah. to mm-hmm. find workarounds for that. But yeah, I mean, and, and just like what you were saying about like they knew exactly what they wanted. Right. And I think that's so important just as a producer working with an artist is sometimes I think like artists, their, their, their voices aren't heard when they're like, no, we know exactly what I want. I think there's something to be said about collaborating and the the producer being able to like hear them and understand that they know. I was going back to like, they, you know, more than you think you do, right? They might mm-hmm. not just know what to call it. If they have the, if they can gain the respect by using the right language and communication skills and just not knowing, like they should know that vocals are doubled, right? Stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then it just becomes this very synergistic relationship between the producer and the artist because it becomes more collaborative rather than I'm the producer. I know this. You do your thing. It kind of bridges this gap a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know, what? The, the, the more you know, when you do get into that situation, I think it helps eliminate or at least decrease a lot of the imposter syndrome. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you so don't much. feel like maybe you're not, you're not supposed to be there, you're like, I know how to work these tools too, pal. Yeah. Let's go and have a good time in the sandbox and play like what, together. What Brett was saying about just being like terrified in the studio, oh, yeah. that used to be me. I would just sit there and I'd just nod like, oh yeah, do do that, <laughs> comp that punch thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? What well, he said. Yeah. 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 Like, I was well, just going to say that. Yeah. Do you like that? <laughs> I was like, sure. It sounds, it sounds great. Which I mean, you know, you get in the studio with those players and it does sound great, but it's all like really right now and in the moment it's like i don't really i haven't really thought about it <laughs> well in, in all fairness nashville players kind of produce themselves it's almost like cheating you just oh. push record and it's like it sounds great <laughs> yeah know? it is so therefore i mean i could skate on that and just go yeah it just sounds yeah. really good i think i had one idea one time in the studio can we start with the mando intro that's kind of cool but can you just do that at the beginning and i think that was my one 
contribution <laughs> other than words uh, to a demo like, on any helps. of the sessions I was on. Yeah, I was like, hey, I like that part. That's that was fun. <laughs> so how do you? Yeah, how do you break it down in your course? I yeah. guess is what I'm going to ask. What What are some of so some of it's the lingo. What are some other parts of the course that? So uh, if I'm not, if I don't know how to record. Yeah, yeah. So I put to, I put together a free training. It's a how to start producing your song today. And what I do is I start by showing them how to build a minimal home studio. I call it the Toyota Camry of studios. Okay, I'm not trying to give them a Pinto. It's not like I'm giving them dirt cheap gear where it's like this is not even quality. But it's like no one needs to drive a Benzo for their first car. So it's not going to be top of the line or even a lot of outboard gear. It's like an interface. It's a microphone. You need a computer. You need a doll. You need these basic accessories. And I show them how to set up their first home studio rig. And then in the second part, I get into my my acronym, my, mm. um, which is the simple training. And really, I mean, you guys know what a reference track is, but a mm. lot of people don't. And it's my proprietary method of using a reference track, which what simple stands for. So if you take a song and I provide a worksheet for this and everything, and you, you break down simple, it stands for structure, instrumentation, mood, production, and then leave that shit behind and execute, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know if I can say that on the show. Sorry, uh, I know no, you're fine. So <laughs> you I just go, did. <laughs> so we, when I pull in the track that I'm, I'm reverse engineering, essentially, first I go, okay, what's the structure of this? What's the arrangement? Let's count the bars. Let's borrow the math from this song so we can use it moving forward with our next song. Okay, great. What's the instrumentation? We're writing all that stuff down. Okay, we got mandos. We got guitars, shakers. Ooh, that shaker doesn't come until the verse two. That's part of the structure, right? So we're getting the structure instrumentation. The mood is, is it major? Is it minor? And is it happier? Is it sad, right? And then the pre-production is essentially going, instead of trying to just basically go down the rabbit hole every time I find something, pre-production, you guys know what that is. It's it's game planning, right? Mm -hmm. It is a blueprint. So the pre-production, once you know the structure, the instrumentation, and the mood, you can start assembling your color palette uh, or your sonic palette rather. And then you're throwing all these things together. You're kind of building, you, you know what you're doing? You're doing what an engineer would do for you as a producer. You're setting up the session ahead of time. And here's mm -hmm. the way I like to put it. I can invite you to my house and say, hey, I want you to paint me a mural on this wall. And you'd be like, oh my God, that sounds so fun. And I'd be like, bye. And I walk out the door and it's like, whoa, okay, we yeah. don't have any supplies or materials who's going to drive to the store like do we need masks is this safe you got all these like questions right what kind of brushes do we need no fun but what if i said hey guys i want you to paint this mural but here's all these brushes and different colors that i've assembled and here's a mask and here's a little tarp for the ground and here's a dope playlist i made for you on spotify and just set you up for success that's what you're doing when you do pre-production so that's pretty much my nutshell my free training but i actually show you how i do it within the daw and i take a song and we reverse engineer it and rather than go for it as a reference track that we're trying to sound like, we actually do the opposite. We go, we're going to borrow the math from this, but we're going to make something that sounds nothing like this. Especially because I think when people are first starting, they're so afraid of being a copycat, which I even mm. hate that word because copying mm. and modeling are two different things. Plagiarism is taking credit for somebody else's work. Modeling is exactly, you, you know, Tony Robbins says, you know, model the success of others. There's a reason that a four bar intro works better than a 16 bar intro. It's okay to borrow that math, right? Right, yeah. That's basically what my training takes them through. And then by the end, you have a song that doesn't even sound like the reference track that you borrowed the math from. That's cool. So the simple, so uh, the free training guys for any climbers that want to check that out, you can just go to producelikeaboss.com forward slash daredevil, right? Yeah. And kind of dig into that free training and just see what, what it's about, what you can learn on that, I think, which is cool. It's so so I, cool. I want you to keep going. I just want to drop that since we're talking about 
that. Thank you. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's so cool. I mean, I could show you guys screenshots for days of when I've had a boot camp or when we've, you know, launched and like people are like, oh my gosh, this is blowing my mind because I think it goes back to that thing. I need to know everything the DAW does and that overwhelm and that perfectionism of just self-editing before they start and the blank page syndrome, that all goes away mm-hmm. when you start going, okay, wait a second, how can I set myself up for success? A lot of people think boundaries are confining, but I think boundaries create freedom yeah. because if I, if I just say, I'm going to sit down with my muse and do whatever I want. She's all over the place, right? But if I say, <laughs> okay, it's like the difference between saying, here's a paintbrush and, and, and saying, here's an outline, fill in the colors, mm-hmm. right? It's just yeah. a little bit more structured. It's and I think it allows choice. Me- like if I can do, <laughs> where yes. do you want to eat tonight? Oh, I don't care. Oh God. Exactly. Okay. Do you want Mexican <laughs> or Thai? Right. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> now you got two choices yeah, okay. now and, we and we're getting, getting to a Now someone's going to eat, Right. Right. And, Genius. <laughs> and, and then you can you can build on that and improve. Like, as you know, at first we do that just to get our sea legs. And then mm-hmm. now it's like, I don't need a reference track to produce a track. It's in me. It's like, it's it's part of my tool belt now. Yeah. But I think when people are first getting started, it's such a great thing to just get you moving and get you at a blank page. Sooner. Yeah, like with writing, I don't really think too much about structure, time, just different yeah. things like that anymore because I've done it so much. It comes out through that kind of filter of hopefully a commercial kind of, structure. I don't have yeah. to go, oh my gosh, I just now realized on the fifth listen of the work tape two days later that our first verse is like two minutes long. That was a thing <laughs> like, you know, early on, it would maybe not that bad, but it would be like, oh my gosh, it took us a minute and a half to get to the chorus or whatever. And now it's like you just real time, you mm-hmm. know, and everyone has that kind of the quarterback clock in the back of their head going, I'm about to get walloped by a linebacker if I don't get rid of this ball and get to the course. You, you, <laughs> you don't have to think about it anymore. It just becomes part of like, yeah, that's just how I do it. It sounds right. Sounds right. Why? Because I put a lot of thought into yeah. it and actually paid attention. I used to go through and chart the intro on there's like work tapes. Intro is like 14 seconds. Okay. I got to the chorus in yes. a minute 20 and I got to the bridge in 315 or you know, back when my songs were longer and, you know, having to pay attention to that. Now, when was the last time I tracked that? I don't pay attention because I've done enough. I know what it feels right. Right. It's kind of like being with a producer in the studio and you're like, what's the BPM of this? And, and somebody goes to tap it on their phone, but the producer goes, eh, it's like 87, 89. Like they just know because of the repetition of how many yeah. times they've done it. You and know? that just makes guys yeah. like me more scared of them. Um, so... <laughs> For, for, for sure, like no, it's forty. It's forty-four because it's long bars. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what's the difference between six, eight, and three, four? Because mathematically, that's just a low. I don't even. Okay, I don't know. Uh, so for for folks like me, one thing a value of that I look for in co-writers because I've been totally outsourcing all this stuff. So much about music business is what value do you bring? A lot of people are talented. A lot mm-hmm. of people can work with a lot of people. And when you get down to, I can't work with everybody, so I start making choices, I'm looking at, okay, what value are these people bringing? And we all do it. If you're not doing it, it's because you don't have enough options yet, but you will eventually start doing that, right? So one of the things mm-hmm. I look at that's a definite value add is, yeah, they can they can record it. Like if, if we dig it, then I don't have to pay for a demo. The chops have to be there. I'm not going to write with a really bad writer just because we can get a good demo of a bad song. That's worthless. But if it's a good writer that can do their own demos and a good writer that we're going to have to pay a couple hundred bucks each to get it demoed if we like it, who, who do you think I'm more willing to work with? If it comes down between those two, who am I calling up versus, yeah, I'll write with the other one, but I'm really pursuing this other one because they just have more value that they can bring. Right. 
Now, they're paying for that value in time because sometimes they can get taken mm-hmm. advantage of feeling like everyone wants them to demo every song. They're like, dude, I'm writing like one day a week and I'm demoing. Everybody wants to write with the track guy. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, save me money. Yeah. You're like, that's a whole nother day for me. So, you know, you have to be responsible with that with that power if you have it. But yeah. like I talked about earlier, I sing like a horse. I'm not an instrumentalist, but they're kind of two tracks. One is setting you up to do your home studio. You produce your own stuff. The other is setting you up. You can more old school produce. That's not the person that's actually bending the strings, but is setting the vision. So is that part of it too? Cause that was what has me a little more interested because I don't have great ears as far as like pitch and all that stuff, man, you don't want me comping somebody's vocals. But, okay, that seems more accessible to me going, okay, if I can think about how to explain this to somebody who may be in the studio at a Larry Beard or somewhere or to track people that are just like, I'll do it all myself, but tell me what your vision is. Is that something then you focus on? Because that's something that feels, Mm -hmm. for me, more attainable. I'm not having to bend strings or notes. That is something that's in my course. I mean, I, I think like the, the, that's more, that's almost like conceptual rather than like the techie hands-on mm-hmm. stuff. And I think they're kind of intertwined. I think they're interchangeable because I think for me, learning just how to engineer in general and fly things around, not even if we keep it, but just knowing that brought like it, it connected the tool to the vision for me mm-hmm. and also the language. So teaching in my course, just learning the things that I'm teaching, it's really a production and arrangement course. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, And so how you use that, whether you're physically using the tools or whether you're outsourcing is totally up to you. And then I actually, in my actual course, not the free training, but in the actual course, um, I have a whole workshop in a bonus called how to hire and work with home studio pros so that you understand like, okay, what am I going to get together here? How should I be sending this to a a guitar player? Mm -hmm. For example, just even adding a click at the beginning for that extra bar and then being able to send them an info sheet that says, here's the lyric, here's the BPM, here's the key, here's what I need from you. Here's some reference tracks. Here's the, you know, and here's the budget, right? So just the, 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 and you already know that, but that's the kind of tools I'm giving people so that yes, they can either do it themselves or they can be that visionary. Cool. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Because <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know where the landmines are. And if I get into this and they need some, I don't know how to, you know. So I think that's, yeah. that sounds super helpful. And I love what you said about adding value because like for me, that was a big moment. Like I remember pitching a song to a publisher once and she was like, you know, and she'd heard a few of my things. She goes, this is really, this is good. She goes, it's like, but I can't pitch this as a piano vocal. It's too poppy. It needs a track. Like, you know, let's be real. These days, the track can be more important than the song, depending on what genre you're in, especially in pop. Right. And Mm -hmm. it it was a pop song. And she was like, why don't you just learn how to do this? And I was like, Wait, you want, I mean, that was kind of who planted the seed for me. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to learn how to produce. (laughs) She goes, seriously, she goes, you're really musical. Obviously you've got great great ideas. She's like, there are people that do this. And she goes, you know, I could pitch this if, if, if it was a pop track. And, and I thought about it and I said, I literally said to her, I said, you mean, if I add more value to myself as a songwriter, I will create more opportunities. And she's all exactly kiddo. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it for me. I was like, you're like corner me with logic. That's exactly what it is. It's showing up with more value now, because now I bring that much more to the table Mm -hmm. when I work with somebody. And how about the boy? We're, we're crushing a lot of excuses here, Brent, with Chris's program. I mean, the guy that, or the girl that doesn't live in Nashville, mm-hmm. learn how to produce your own stuff. And here's a course that's going to teach you how to do it. You don't have to have a big expensive rig. And now if you need that one guitar track, instead of having to spend a thousand bucks for the demo on it, you can get in touch with a guitar player and do it for 50. 
Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you take care, you mix it down and now you got your track and uh oh, now there's there's one less barrier there. You uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. We're helping you. Okay, the the less the less barriers in the music business, the better. I love watching it all. Just I don't mean to say crumble. That sounds so dark, but I do love I do love the accessibility that's been created so that it's no longer Beyonce big or broke. You know, it's not about the pedestal and then the peasant. No, like anyone can release a record now. Like how exciting is that? Like we couldn't do that ten years ago. You want to have a radio show? Start a podcast. You want to have a TV show? Start a YouTube channel. It's like everything is so accessible before you used to need tens of thousands of dollars to make a record. And depending on what kind of record you're making, mm-hmm. um, that yeah. might not be the truth now. You know, There's 60,000 uploads a day on Spotify. Damn. Yeah. And so the question is, if you're a writer, and why aren't you one of them, right? Like- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I you mean, know- about the production stuff, one thing that, I mean, I've run into this for sure over time is you send off the demo, you're kind of hands off because... I don't know. And I don't put thought into it because that's the story I tell myself is that I don't have these thoughts of production. I don't think like a producer. I should stop saying that. So I tell myself this and I send it off and it goes away or my co-writers handle it and it comes back and it's just, yeah, I, mm-hmm. you know, like it's mm-hmm. just doesn't have that magic. Well, was it the song? Was Is it just a bland demo? Is it, you know, all that stuff. But I think there's a, a value of, um, because I was working with some guys the other day or a couple of weeks ago now. And, you know, we got to the bridge and there's this big, it was that song, uh, drink you on my mind that Johnny and I referenced on the podcast several times. And this is big, whoa, you know, this big vocal kind of thing. I was like, could we put that at the beginning? Like have that be the intro of the song that way. It's this big like, in your face going, genius. we belong in an arena. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I love that. you know, they just hadn't thought of it, but that's more used to be. I was just like, I didn't think in terms of show, making moments, any sort of production, that's so much arrangement. It was like, well, it's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, or it's verse, verse, chorus, verse, verse, chorus, because I was new. And <laughs> starting to think in those ways, it's like, oh, that, I mean, that's songwriting. It's arrangement. It's all that just creating a thing. And I've been trying to be more mindful of going, you know, it's, uh, I have my own acronym, but RAP, W-R-A-P, write, record, access, and pitch. And I'm really good at the W like the writing, that's my sweet spot. That's why I got into it. But really being mindful of of the other steps that as a songwriter, who's not also an artist, if I want to monetize, if I want to keep this business going, I've got to make sure it's written, make sure it's recorded, make sure it gets access to the people that can do something with it, and then actually make the pitch. It's not enough to know the people if you don't actually play them a song. Mm And then it has a chance to monetize. And so I've been trying to be much more mindful of going through those steps and taking ownership of the whole process. I used to kind of honestly just kind of punt. We like we got it written. All right, go demo, do whatever that is. And if it sounds great, it sounds great. But it's like we're creatives as writers. We have ideas and no one's going to no one has as much of a stake in it as we do as going, OK, what can mm, I do exactly. to make this? to really make this sparkle and think about it and maybe slow down on the writing a little bit and go, okay, what are some ideas to make this thing shine and learning to think in that, I think is a way for myself that my songs can benefit because if you do have that little extra something on that recording to help it stand out, not that it has to be a full on album, whatever, a monster track, but just going, is there something that can make this, you know, I mean, I worked on that second verse for, an hour or two, just trying to get the wording just right to make it land. It's like, oh yeah, well, 
but then I don't think about how it's going to all sound. It's like, I need to take ownership of that because that is a huge part of getting it into the right hands and getting it cut is because that's what they're going to be listening to. Right. It's not just about how we, oh, we turn that little phrase, but I got to play a bigger game. Like you were saying earlier, like sometimes you get something back and you're like, like that's not the thing. And it's like, well, could, could you have played a part of getting it to be that thing by just being a little bit more involved in that? Yeah. Cause it's like, I was sent it to the guy and he, I paid him X amount of dollars and he knocked it out. He did what I asked for, but I didn't, Ask for magic. But he's not in your head. He's not he's in my not in head, head, and neither am I. <laughs> right? And maybe I should be. But you know, because I mean, I, I've definitely had that happen where it's like, I, th- I think demo didn't take it to another level. Obviously, your demo's not going to fix your song if you have song problems, but yeah, it can also hold a good song back a little bit if it doesn't showcase it. It's like, man, if you just mm-hmm. fixed your hair, you'd be much more attractive. <laughs> you know, like, well, I've got the hair, yeah, yeah. but product a little bit you know it's like i took all this time to grow it yeah do something with like that just that extra step of of why you gotta call me out like that oh i got at least you have to um that's why i'm not turning around i think i think the lincoln log part of it is what's cool when you go down this road you start playing the sandbox like this and you got that rig at the house and you you mentioned before, Brent, about how which I loved in that song where you put that hook like at the beginning, that one that was in the yeah, bridge. Yeah, it was from the too. bridge. Like, right who does off that? the bat, it was like ding, like yes. Yeah, like, and who does the bridge love first? It. Like you know, I yeah. do a little bit of the chorus, but like, yeah, but that's super tasty. Bridge, why not? They're like, can we do that? I'm like, we can do whatever we want. Yeah, right. and, and so that, that, there it is, right there. That that was the point I wanted to make. Is like, if you what can, can you do that? You can do it. You can do whatever you want. If you got the tools and you're playing around, mm-hmm. and you kind of get a feel for, you can move stuff around, and it's not like all bets are on this one day in the studio that you're paying a fortune for. Yeah, yeah. learn how to man. Learn what's going to work and what's not going to work when you can do it at home and mess around and play mm-hmm. oh, and just man. play. And you just know what's you know what's awesome, and this is like such a weirdo thing that I know it's kind of out there, but it's like when I write now, it's like I've been playing guitar for, since I was like fifteen. I can play a little bit can- piano to write, and that used to be the only way I wrote songs, but now because of where my focus has been, I write with my doll. Like I write yeah. as I'm writing. I'm like, I'm hearing samples and I'm hearing this. And I, so I'm actually able to kind of have more tools to yeah. execute what's going on in my brain rather than just lyric and melody and an instrument. So now sometimes I'll be in the car and it used to be like my hook book would be like song title ideas or melody ideas. Yeah. And now I'll be in the car and I'm like, boof, boof. <laughs> and I'm singing parts because like I'm actually getting like the inspiration of the muse is now flowing through as production and musical parts and I'll be I'm like and then go and then a reverse vocal ah, you know and people are looking at me like I'm crazy and I am but then I get it home and I start playing in the DAW and it's like that's actually how I write music now I sit down and I kind of create everything together which I wouldn't mm. recommend starting doing right. you know but like it's become my instrument of choice to write with which it's like why not have more colors to choose from on your palette. Yeah, I think that's, and for me as a, as a writer, as a lyricist, it's fun to have that going on in the room because you're, you can see more of the vision of it and it's come together and it's got that energy to it. Like, yeah, and we're writing to this and I get the vibe and the vibe is going to affect the word choices that I have. And, and for one thing, it's the speed yeah. of going, oh, oh wow, yeah. we could walk out the door and pitch this. That That's part of it too. But mm-hmm. then it just kind of keeps your excitement up because you don't have to go, man, I, I wonder what this is going to sound like. You can start getting... Yeah. Better the vision of like, oh, oh it's sounding like this and I'm digging this. I'm in. Let's go. Versus, well, I mean, right? yeah, it's a, on piano. It's on guitar. I mean, that's cool. And I love the sound of that. But to go, okay, yeah, this sounds like a hit. 
that kind of thing is a little different too. And so I like the energy of that. Yeah. There's something magical about how a track speaks to you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like as opposed to like just singing down with a concept or, or an instrument, which is great too. Yeah. But when you hear a track, all of a sudden it's like, oh, she on, and then, then she said, and then all of a sudden these words are coming out and you're like, wait, where did that even come from? Okay. I'm going to honor it. I'm going to write it down. It's my intuition take. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. come back and see if I can make sense of it rather than trying to be so methodical and go, we're going to write a song about a girl in a bar. It's like, wait, why did I just say pineapple? It's like, you know, yeah, yeah. But the, the track is what kind of pulls that out of you sometimes. And there's so much value in that. Yeah, oh, there is. Yeah. I mean, I've had some really fun experiences writing that way because I am a, as a lyricist, I'm a title concept. I will bring in the map or a whole lyric and boom, I think this stuff through. Yeah. I've had success with that. I've also had a lot of fun and some success with, hey, I got this melody and here's this. I don't know why this sounds good here. Chocolate is a vitamin. I don't know why, but that's <laughs> yeah. falling in the title. What does that mean? I have no idea, but I love it. It's compelling. And then reverse engineering that. You know, like we already got the vibe, but what does that mean? I've had a few cases of people bringing like this title that makes no sense. I'm like, that's awesome because I never would have thought of that because now we're going to reverse engineer what it what that could possibly be about. But we already know like we're digging the vibe and it's fun and it takes me down a path I wouldn't normally go. Yeah, totally. And I, that, that's the way that's the way that I wrote when 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 I was doing the artist thing. I didn't have the lyric in the concept first, it was, there was the, the muse was the track, man. The muse mm -hmm. was the guitar tone. It was the lick. It was just something that was like, Oh, that's cool. And then immediately I'm putting a melody to it. And it works for Aerosmith, right? Yeah. That, well, that, that's so it. You're just people. playing in a sandbox. I go down to the basement and Daryl, my guitar player be down there. We had an eight track and I'd be working a bar shift and I go have a couple of drinks and I come home like, you know, a little, a little loaded and, and he would be like, dude, check it out. And all of a sudden, bam, we got a song right there. Cause it yeah. just was all like, just the muse was there. It was in the right mood and just nail it down. And I love that you called it like an intuition track because mm -hmm. that's what it was, right? We would refine the words and maybe tweak the melodies a little bit, but that first thing that just came out that yeah. 85% of that vocal was that melodically and uh -huh. vibe and feel that was all that was all very very clear and then we just had to refine the words a little bit and stuff but yeah i mean you know it could be gibberish or something that i'm singing but i'm getting that vibe going and now i gotta go back and craft the words that's the way that i always approached uh -huh. it yeah because that's what got me off first you know so being able to i love that's what i love about this course that you have is like getting more people to be able to do that because there's some writers that everybody writes a different way uh -huh. mm -hmm. And I've never written like Brent has written. Uh, I, I would never that smart. I just, no, it's just I don't I don't have that stuff floating around in my head to grab. I grab what's available. That's words. But you know, even as a lyricist, going vibe and melody and feel is so important. I, I'm trying to even still grow as honoring that. Where it used to be like, ah, oh, it's the words. You make the words sing, singer boy, whatever. Uh, but it's like okay, to keep myself in check, it's like okay, Louie Louie. What's that about? Everyone loves singing along. No one knows what the words are. That's yeah. vibe, Su -su -su melody. <laughs> it's that whole thing. It's like, that's so important. And in country too, as well. I mean, it's country, definitely the lyrically more important. It's more balanced that way. But still, I mean, I went to the uh, NSAI awards, I guess the last pre-pandemic one, and they started doing a new thing where all the 10 songs I wish I'd written winners would get played live. Which is really cool because, you know, you just had these songs that the pro members of NSA voters like, I wish I'd written that kind of, you know, small all in one award show. And you got to hear them. And what impressed upon me was 
they're just slow, like good melodically and good to sing and fun to sing along with. And they just flow. It's not janky. It mm-hmm. flows. And to go, okay, that's yeah. really important. <laughs> that's really important. <laughs> Keep this in mind. It's not so much what they're saying because those songs were saying all sorts of different things and with varying levels of depth or even lyrical panache. But man, they all vibed in different ways, but so well. Yeah. Like, okay, you need to honor that when you totally. write. So cool. And then the more you can do that and bring that totally. out on the production side yourself to get that across, just the the more ahead of the game you are before you yeah. maybe eventually hand it off, if you hand it off to someone else to work with. Yeah, totally. I almost feel like if you don't know how to produce your own music, like to even to a minor degree, right, to, to be able to do a just a demo that'll hold up, right, that you could pitch or whatever, to, to me... If you made me sit on my hands, I couldn't talk. Yeah. Right? It's a form of communication that adds to the lyric and the melody that you've written. And it's like you're cutting yourself off without being able to do that, man. So yeah. I'm so glad you took yeah. the time to put this course together. Thanks. I, you know, it, I just, it's so funny. I, I started teaching people like in my Nashville home studio, I would do like, I was just helping artists out and I was like, you know, I'm going to make a YouTube video and then I'll create a channel or something. But there's no intention of really making it into a course. And then our mutual friend, Ray Hamilton was like, oh. you should just do a course. And I was like, Oh, I never thought about that. And I looked into <laughs> it and I, you know, I ended up creating this course called from voice memo to demo. And basically, I'm just talking to me six years ago when I was like, what does all this mean? What is all this techno babble? Because part of how I teach is I simplify, right? Songwriters are not necessarily wired like engineers. And so we can't come at them with all the techno babble and engineer talk. It'll leave them bamboozled, right? So I I really simplify and just kind of talk musician language because that's how I wish people would have talked to me when I was asking questions. Because I would ask a simple question like, what kind of reverb should I use on this vocal? And every male engineer friend would be like, first, we need to talk about the history of reverb and <laughs> yeah. when the reflections bounce off the wall and I'm like hey, you know I could just go for like a medium hall right now yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what button do I press that's what and I'm asking it's yeah. not to say that that stuff isn't important but that like you know when somebody is trying to learn something as vast as music production we're not talking about like one thing here we're mm. talking you know like lyric or melody we're talking about music production and then if you were to take a deep dive into things like EQ and compression it's too much it's yeah. trying to learn how to take apart the engine at first so it's like let's look at this with a bird's eye view and get really simple and then as we start to conceptualize and grasp it more then we take these deeper dives and and that's really yeah and i just created the course that would have helped me 10 years ago and we just hit a thousand students oh that's hey congrats Congrats. thank you like like just this week and i'm just i'm just like my heart just explodes because i when i read what people write to me about how it's helping them it's like i'm talking to myself they're like oh my god i never thought i could do this or oh now i have these opportunities to write with people that never wanted to write with me before Mm -hmm. or i got these sync placements or even down to like i'm making money it's like at first i was like trying to save money on demos and then funny enough we talk about track guy my first production company was called track girl productions and once i learned how to do my demo Demos, people in Nashville started hiring me to do their demos. Mm-hmm. And then pr- publishing companies had me as their resident track girl to do the demos for their companies, you know? So people are now writing to me going, I'm making a living doing demos for people. Thank you. Hello. Awesome. What an amazing way to make a relationship oh. with a freaking publishing company by adding oh, value yeah. and getting paid. And then, <laughs> oh, by the way, I just wrote this song you might be interested mm-hmm. in. Oh, Chris, we love you because you helped us with all these other songs. Of course, we're going to listen to your song because your family 
genius. Yep. It's weird. <laughs> finding, yeah, adding values, coming through a different door. It's not being an asshole, knocking on a publisher's door going, <laughs> how can you help me? Hi, I'm just here to, yeah. today to see how you can help me. I'm sorry, what? You knocked on my door. I'm not here to solve your problems. I'm here to solve mine. Exactly. Ever think going, but I'm a great songwriter. Yeah. You know that. Line. You should know that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you should just go get my songs cut. Like finding a different way, which, <laughs> you know, a different way of adding value to people to make it where you're giving. And I think it was Zig Ziglar said, you can get everything you want out of life as long as you help enough other people get what they want. If you help enough people get what they want out of life, exactly. you can get what you want just by helping them. And yeah, that. and, and the, the microcosm of that, so we're talking publishing companies and mm -hmm. stuff, and that's like an ideal situation. But the microcosm is in your little town, if you're the track girl, if you're the track guy, then you can get yourself into better rights in your town with yeah. the artists that are in your town and become one of the elite members in, in, your, in your beehive, man, because again, the same principle, though, adding value, to that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, and so absolutely. much of these days are building camps. You know, the artist and the producer are like the nucleus of a camp. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I know some people that are like getting more into production because that got them in the room where the yeses were said or the no's were said and they could influence that more. You know, so a lot of producers have a lot of writing credits these days. And some of them are came mm -hmm. in at more as producers and some come in more as, as writers that eventually doing the stuff. People are like, you should produce. What? Really? No, you've been, well, these demos are killer. <laughs> and, you know, then it kind of happens organically. But they are in the rooms where the decisions are made. And as a writer, just a writer, focusing on that, I'm not in those rooms. And so that's another value and leverage, you know, again, creating leverage in the music business. If you grow into that long term and you're in there with the artist and you know exactly what they need, you can aim at that because you're in the room with them. It's like writing with an artist and producer, but you're just even one step closer to that. But don't overwhelm. Just like Chris with you, I'll make a YouTube video. Oh, cool. Okay, now I'll do this other thing. And then I, maybe I'll do a little ebook. And then next thing, if if they said, if Ray had said, you should do a complete, you know, course, like before you'd even done a YouTube video, it's like, oh my gosh, how do you even do that and make it for sale? And but you just <laughs> kind of build one little thing at a time. And then it's like with songwriting pro or the climb or whatever, you look back, and go, I got all this stuff. I don't even know how I'm doing all this stuff. Like if you dump this on my desk all at once, that would have been completely overwhelming. But, you know, you just yeah. take the, the step that's in front of you. It might just be, oh, this is how I just record a guitar or this, my buddy did the guitar. This is how I just do my voice and little steps eventually. And you're enjoying the journey and you're seeing progress. Then eventually look back on, Oh my gosh, look at all I'm doing. But I couldn't have bit that off all at once. Yeah. You know, that'd be overwhelming. So to have Absolutely. someone kind of walk you through and go, okay, here's, here's a step. Here's just the next step. I think is really valuable. Yeah, so. totally. That's well, how do, um, what, so if people are interested in, we start them off in the free course. Yeah. How's it work? Okay, so so they can visit producelikeaboss.com slash daredevil to take the free training. It's a three-video training, and it's going to walk you from everything from how to build your home studio to get you producing a song today. It's three steps to start you know, writing your song today. At the end of that course, if they want to find a way to work with me on a deeper level, which would be entering into my course and my private Facebook community and, and taking me on as, as that kind of coach, um, there's an option to do that. And if not, that's fine too. A lot of people get value out of the free training. It's whatever works for the person. You know, it's just a deeper level of working with me, you know, and continuing mm -hmm. um, after is an option as well. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you, Chris. This is this is good, man. This, this has is, been um, so fun. I really love you guys and I love your podcast and everything you're doing for the community. So it's really just, oh, thank you. it's an honor to, to be like, and I know you guys don't have a lot of guests either. So I'm just really, I feel very blessed to be able to. Well, you fit right in <laughs> in your family now, yeah. whether you like it or not. I love that you know Malk too. And and uh, that's great. We were roommates for a year. He, he, he I, I, I coaxed him from California to Nashville. You know? That's awesome. Blame. Yeah, it's I am to blame. So in the podcast notes, we'll put the uh, producelikeaboss.com slash daredevil, but that'll be in the episode notes there if y'all want to click on that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll put the link for from voice memo to demo course as well mm-hmm. in there. Is that is that link available too from the free training, Chris? Yeah, it's accessible through the, the free training at the end okay. of it, but then we can drop the, the link for the actual just to get them straight. If they're just ready to jump into the course as well, which would be um, producelikeaboss.com slash daredevil S like Sam and P like partner, daredevil SP. There you go. All right, guys. Hey. Thank you so much, Chris, for for taking the time and and doing this. I'm really glad Ray uh, Hamilton hooked us up. We got to get Ray on the podcast. We do. Right? Yes, we do. Like he's ready to rock with that. So uh, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode, guys. Join the Climb community. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume podcasts. Leave a rating and review and tell a friend about it. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. Bye, guys. <laughs>